Your own happiness is based upon your own initiative and seeking the joy of the Lord. Personal happiness is not dependent on someone else, a mate, a family, or any material thing. It is solely from the Lord. Those who constantly look to others for support, affirmation, and acceptance are not in relationship with Adonai. We know what God wants. He opens paths and doors for us, yet we refuse to walk through the path opened up, the open door that God has placed before us. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. Psalms 51 verse 12, Restore my joy in your salvation and let a willing spirit uphold me. Psalms 97 verse 11 says, Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Yeshua commands to be like this, to seek the kingdom of God. He said in Matthew 6 verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek is a verb, an action, to resort to, to go to, to be in search of, to look for, to try to discover, to ask for, to inquire or gain. To seek requires action, and that action requires initiative. Seek is from the Latin sagus, which means prophetic. Initiative is required for our own spiritual, prophetic, and physical walk with the Lord. Initiative also requires a drive, which is self-determined drive, which is to apply force to someone, something, so that it moves in front of one, to cause to function or set or keep in motion. Another word for drive is shepherd. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 11, a wise teacher's words spur students to action and emphasize important truths. The collective sayings of the wise are like guidance from a shepherd. Psalms 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. John 10, 14, I'm the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Hey, you know, I want to pause here for a second and share a little bit from my own background, not to embellish myself or lift myself up. This background and upbringing is what led me to where I'm at today. And I just want to give an accolade to my father who molded me into who I am today. But I didn't like it when I went through it. You have to understand my father was a business owner. He was a home builder. Uh, and when I was literally, this is the truth now, nine years old during the summer, I started working 40 hours a week. To do so required a letter from our family attorney that labeled me as a itinerant worker because working 40 hours a week at my age was actually against child labor laws, but it worked. Now, I, you know, I wasn't pulled from school. I went to school, uh, but my, from the age of nine till when I joined the Navy, I was working 40 to 50 hours a week doing construction. At 16, now, this is how this is working. I, I, I'm making pretty decent money. At 16, he had me leading a framing crew. I started doing setup in the morning. So I would get to work half hour earlier before everyone else. I would get all the saws out, set all the equipment up, and be ready so that the team could start working at 7.30 sharp. We started right on time, no delay. When I turned 16, if I wanted my own vehicle, I had to buy it myself. But I wasn't allowed to buy that vehicle without insurance, which I also had to purchase for myself. At 16, I, I had to start buying my own clothes and uh, anything I needed. Uh, so by the time I reached 18, as soon as I turned 18, my dad set me down with an insurance agent, and I bought my own health care insurance until I joined the Navy. I was raised in a Jewish suburb of Erie, PA, a place of uh, great wealth. The doctors, the attorneys, the anesthesiologists that were Jewish, that worked in Erie, lived in my small town. It was a place of great affluence. Many 
boys my age, when we were in high school, when they turned 16, they were given brand new Corvettes or brand new Chargers. Me, I'm driving around an old hoopty vehicle that I paid $700 for, but I had a vehicle. And so this entire time, I rebelled once when I was in the eighth grade. We had half a day of school, the last day of school. And uh, when I walk home, there's my dad waiting in the truck with the trailer with all the scaffolding prepared to take me to the job site. And, uh, and he looked at me and he's like, go change. And I said, uh, I don't want to. And he's like, what? I said, hey, I just, I don't want to do this all summer. You know, you're at that age, all the other guys are having fun and they're sloughing around all summer, not doing anything. Most of them are getting in trouble. But he looked me in the eye and he said, you're not sitting around doing nothing all summer. So either you get changed and get in the truck or you go get a job. But either way, you're working. Now, at 14, where else am I going to get a job? So you know the story. I went in, put my my work clothes on, got in the truck, and off we went. But all of this instilled in me, first, a self-drive to get things done, and it gave me great initiative. It determined where I would go in life. It made me successful in the Navy. It had all the background this entire time. He, he's teaching me about business practices. What most people don't understand, ministry is business. Hey, we have to make the payroll every two weeks. We've got Blue Cross Blue Shield. We've got medical for the office. We have to cover through insurance. We have to pay our quarterly taxes to the feds. We also have to pay our Virginia taxes. And so many, many in ministry fail because they never learned the business side of this. My father set me up. It was the perfect storm. And at the time, as a young 14, 15, 16-year-old, I hated it. But since then, I, I've written him letters and thanked him for instilling in me what he did. And we heard from the time we were 10 years old till I left the house, my job is to raise you until you're 18. When you're 18, you're on your own. You go get a job, you go make your mark in this world, whatever it is, but you're not coming back here. You're not, you're not living in our basement or 24 or 25 years old. You go do your thing. At 18, my job is done. You're raised. And so, you know, I joined the Navy at 18. I left. I never moved back home. I'm in a great relationship with him. To go, don't get me wrong. But it was never this uh, confluence of uh, I went back without a job and searching for myself and spent five years living in the basement like we have today. It, it, it set me up for success in this training and in this background. And this is why many fail in business and ministry today. They don't have self-drive. They don't have initiative. And they don't have the understanding of how these things operate. If no one is telling them what to do, they don't know what to do, or they won't do it or don't know how to do it. And so you, this is a setup. You've got to have determination and self-drive. I shared this, I think, the last or two Kadima talks ago. I've had copious amounts of people come to me in the last 20 years and say, Rabbi, will you mentor me? They don't want me to mentor them. They don't want to go through all that it takes to get to this place because it, it, there's no magic wand. You're not going to be hit with this fairy wand and tomorrow you're a congregation leader. It takes years of training and mentorship. Remember, Yehoshua, Joshua spent 40 years, 40 years is the number two in training being mentored by Moshe. This is a process that takes time, and it's ongoing. I'm still learning. There are new obstacles to tackle every day. The environment, the atmosphere continuously changes. The kingdom of God is forever changing. And so we have to begin every day 
before the throne room, getting fresh manna from heaven that we can move forward and overcome the challenges that will become before us every day. And so we have to get out of that comfort zone. We have to be willing to take great initiative. No one makes me get up in the morning. You have to be willing to do this. Many business fail because they don't keep... Let me, I'm going to tell you another story. Are you ready for this? This is a number of years ago. And uh, I needed some... We put a large deck in the back of our home. And uh, we live out in a semi-rural area. And my house had no gutters. And so without gutters on the wood deck, it would destroy that wood. I went to six gutter companies. And I look for the, you know, the little fish, which means these people are believers. Listen to me, six companies I called. One company out of that six, only one actually showed up. I made an appointment on a Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock. That's the only person to show up. Now, these people are professing to be believers. They've got businesses. This is how they're putting food on the table. They never responded. They didn't keep their word and they didn't show up the appointments we made. This person rang my doorbell one minute to one, exactly on time. He introduced himself. I shook his hand. We come in. We sat down. He started his spiel. I said, you've got the job. He was stymied. He's like, what? I said, you've got the job. Just tell me how much it's going to cost. He looked at me with wide eyes, and I shared this with him. Six companies, only one showed, and yet they're all professing to be Christians, to be believers. This is a radical infection in the greater body of Messiah. Your word has to be your word. You have to have initiative. You've got to get up and get moving. You've got to get out of the box. And so this brings us to, will you submit to God or continue on with the familiar? Where will you be and how will you walk when the prophetic comes to pass, when that door opens? Romans 8 verse 7 says, For the mind controlled by the old nature is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's Torah. Indeed, it cannot. I want to share a few points now from John Maxwell on leadership through initiative. It will take a bold step for you today to reach your potential tomorrow. Consider these things as you seek to become a leader who takes initiative. Number one, know what you want. Napoleon Hill wisely said, the starting point of all achievement is desire. The only way you'll be able to recognize opportunity when it comes is to know what you want. Number two, push yourself to act. Leaders who take initiative understand their responsibility to be self-motivated. I love this quote from President Theodore Roosevelt. There is nothing brilliant or outstanding in my record except perhaps this one thing, that I do the things that I believe ought to be done. And when I make up my mind to do a thing, I act. Number three, Leaders are willing to take risks when they recognize there's a price for not initiating too. President John F. Kennedy said this, there are risks and costs to a program of action, but they are far less than the long-range risks and costs of comfortable inaction. Taking risks is necessary for sustained growth and long-term success. The seeds of beginning the start of Congregation Zion's sake was probably the most riskiest thing I've ever done in my life. I don't know if I've shared this before, but I'm going to pause here and uh, share it again. If I, if I have, then you're going to hear it again. I'd done 22 years in the Navy. Just before I retired, I wrote a contract to hire civilian intelligence uh, personnel to teach at our school. I was running an intel school. And uh, for one of the few times in my military career, it was I was not corrupted. I didn't have any friendships with any contractors. We got the right people for the right job and got the right contract. Now, 
we'd been running the congregation for a year and a half. And prior to this time, when I'm coming into retirement, we had 35, maybe 40 people a week. Our average offering was 50 to $75 a week. <laughs> you hear me? Everything we did initially as a congregation, my wife Barb and I, we personally financed. We paid for it out of our own pocket. As we were coming into literally two months before retirement, my plan was I, I heard the voice of God. I knew I was to, to be a congregation leader and to move into this Messianic realm and grow the congregation. But the discussion was how could we pay the mortgage? How could we buy groceries on $65, $75 a week? said, well, we're going to trust on God because if he called me to do this, he will sustain it. Six weeks before I retire, the place where we had written a contract for the Navy came back and offered me the contract manager position. Yeah, six figures in salary, expense account, and a car by the company. It seemed like our ship had come in. Everything, listen, you know, I'm retiring as an E-8, a senior chief from the Navy. Uh, you know, they paid us well, but we weren't getting rich. And it was like, wow, our ship has come in. And we looked at each other. And, and so there, there's multiple stories here. First of all, when you start moving down the path of serving God, the enemy will come in and throw your heart's desire at you like money. And so I turned it down. Obviously, you know this because we've been here for 20 years at Congregation Zion's sake. I retired on a Friday morning. We had the services, had the reception. I come home, took my uniform off for the last time, put my suit on, came into the service that evening. We took the offering 10 times higher than it had ever been before. We never went back. As soon as I retired, I went to full-time ministry. And I want to give this word of encouragement to those out there who are part-time and have uh, dual careers. Listen, take the risk. If you know for a fact, and here's what's critical, you got to hear the voice of the Lord. If he called you to do it, Go do it. And it's impossible to do with dual careers. It's almost impossible. I did it for a year and a half before I retired. So difficult. If God has called you, devote yourself wholly unto him. He'll take care of everything. All right, let's get back. Number four, make mistakes. To make things happen, you have to make mistakes. Take it from the founder of IBM, Thomas J. Watson. The way to succeed is to double your failure rate. In order to experience great success, you must be willing to put yourself on the line even at the risk of failure. It's not about failing less. It's about learning faster. Conrad Hilton, widely successful hotel executive, said this, success seems to be connected with action. Successful people keep moving. They make mistakes, but they don't quit. I want to encourage you today to push yourself to take initiative in your life and leadership. If you wait for opportunity to knock, you'll be known for your wasted potential. But if you choose to believe that opportunity is waiting for you to knock, you will find it everywhere. Do you wait for opportunity to come to you or are you constantly on the lookout for opportunity? It's like former Chrysler chairman Lee Iacocca said, even the right decision is the wrong decision if it's made too late. And I want to put a shout out here to some of our younger leaders, uh, both in the movement and in general, who listen to this. I've heard many, many young people, uh, you know, 35 and under, Say, hey, man, you know, we're waiting for our chance. We're waiting for our chance. Someone give us a chance. Can I tell you a secret? Take initiative and go make it happen. When we started the congregation 20 years ago, no one brought me in and said, hey, would you be willing to do this? No one said, hey, have you thought about this? Or, hey, come alongside. I'll help you do this. We took great risk 
and started it on our own at the leading and the prompting of Adonai. Listen, you, you've got to pray. You've got to be intimate with the Lord. You have to be clearly hearing his voice. The worst possible thing you could do is launch yourself into something that God did not tell you to do. But if you're sitting around waiting for someone to give you the opportunity, what did it say? You'll be known as a person with wasted potential. Get up, get moving, hear the voice of the Lord, and do something. Whatever God has called you to do, do it. Don't wait. Take initiative. Have self-drive, and God will do the rest. May the Lord bless you and keep you, Mishpacha. I hope this has been helpful to you and encourage you. Shalom. Shalom.